right way. There we go. Um, this morning, we, as I, it's been said, and we, we're going to be doing this, um, some of the verses that Tony just read to you, then you are going to get the opportunity to be reading those this week for yourself and, and digging in and exploring those and meditating on those verses. But I thought it'd be good as we begin this series to find out what you know about the book of James and, more importantly, the, the author who is also called James. So, um, um, so first of all, his name is James. So what do you know about James? Um, anyone want to jump in at all? Jeez, yeah, brother of Jesus. Now, have you ever thought about it? Has anyone ever been compared to their siblings before? Like, can you be more like your sister? Can you be more like your brother? You imagine James getting that question. Huh? Mary and Joseph, they're going, James, why can't you be more like Jesus? Okay, like that that's a rough one. Like I'm going, yeah, Jesus walks on water. Jesus, he goes, gets dinner ready and just brings in some crumbs and all of a sudden he's got a whole lasagna there. Like that would be tough work to be compared to Jesus. But uh, James is is a, a person of note as well. Anything about the book at all that you uh, that you know? It was probably one of the first of the epistles that were written. So this is probably one of the earliest written books because it couldn't be too late because one of the things we also know about James is that his life was cut short and cut is the right word. He was um, beheaded and, and so he lost his life. Um, um, and, but he was also the head of the Jerusalem church. Um, no nepotism there like at all. So um, he, he was a person of, of, of great faith and so... When, when Pentecost came and the apostles rose up and then there was the spreading out of the believers when persecution came, James actually stayed in Jerusalem. And James actually was in that position where he was leading that local church and that home church. And so um, James, when he writes this letter, he has an important crowd to be writing to. Um, and he's probably in a position of experience because uh, even in the reading today, we, we talk about trials, we talk about perseverance. James was in the middle of the, perse uh, the persecution of, of the Christian church in Jerusalem and ultimately lost his life to that. So this is not some kind of like, oh, yeah, guys, when life gets tough, everyone has tough moments. Just pull up your bootstraps and just press on and you'll be right. No, James was living this. And so when he shares some of the words that we'll look at today, we'll get to the point where all of a sudden we go, hey, James is, is actually a good person to be sharing about this. One of the things I love about the book of James, it is a very practical book. Um, and so James will, and we'll look at this in a few weeks' time, he talks about the works that come about out of our lives when we know, when we know Jesus. And so um, people often will kind of, can get confused between James and Paul because Paul says like we're saved by grace and not works. And James goes, faith without works is dead. But really, when we look at that, and I'll explain this more when we get to that, it's like it's like a line. So you can't be saved by works, that's by grace. But as we know Jesus, as we love Jesus, Jesus will call us into his plan for our lives, which includes good works. And so the good works that we do are an outpouring of the love and relationship we have with Jesus. When you do it the other way around, go, I'm going to earn my place in, in position with Jesus, that can't work. Um, James was also called James the Just, um, and so he was a he was a great pastor leader in the early church. 
And so each week as we look at um, uh, the, this, this series, we're going to be looking at two ideas. So today's idea is testing and persevering. Um, and one of the things is, well, not one of the, I, I think it's almost necessary for us to grow in our perseverance, we need to have testing of some kind. Like, again, exercise is a great, like, understanding of this. If you want to grow in muscle strength, you, you literally have to tear your muscles so that they can grow back bigger and stronger. If you want to run a kilometer, some of you need to run five meters first and recover from the, the pain and, 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 um, the, the fear of dying that you have from that. But you need to build up. You need to go through a bit of struggle, a bit of agony to get to the other side and get better. In the same way, when it comes to us walking in a persevering faith, in, in a, in a persevering life, trials, trials are going to be there for us. Now, again, God uses what's coming our way anyway. So God is just going, you know what? Life is going to be full of struggles. You're actually going to have some struggles because you believe in me, which is some of the stuff that James is talking about. And, and, and so God will use that stuff. He doesn't waste things in our lives. That's one of, that's one of the things that I've come to realize that idea with God. Some stuff that we go through in life is horrible. Some of you have gone through horrible stuff. Some of you are right now in the middle of horrible stuff. But the thing is, God does not waste one experience in our life if we let him use it. And so, so this is part of what James is talking about. Um, and so when we, when we jump into the passage that Tony um, shared for us, um, I love this verse and I hate this verse. Um, uh, probably depending on the day, but he brings off this great with this great verse. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials of various kinds. Count it all joy when you face trials. It just it doesn't it doesn't always compute with me. I I I, I under from a, understand it from a theological point of view. I understand it by reading it multiple times. I understand why. Just sometimes I just go, oh, that doesn't make sense, God. Like, um, I want to count it all joy when I can sleep in till 10 o'clock. I want to count it all joy when all my bills are paid. I want to count it all joy when, when I get up in the morning, nothing is hurting. Like, um, when I get up in the morning, I want to be able to get up in the morning. Like, and, and all those kinds of things. And we go, oh no, count it all joy when you face various trials. Like, it's a hard concept for us to grasp. Um, but there is a joy that comes from this. This is, and this is where I suppose digging into this verse over the years is that as we, as we go through trials and adversity, um, I understand where James is, is calling the early church to joy in the midst of persecution. Like one, because when we are in that place of persecution and when we're in that place of struggle and trial, it can overwhelm us to a point where we go, Do you know what? I'm just, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to, I'm just, life is something that I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm just going to do what I have to do to survive. And James is saying, wait a second, we're missing out then because do you know what? Even if you don't follow God, you are going to have trials in your life until the day you die. 
It's just part of life. And what James is saying is that we can actually have joy instead of frustration, instead of overwhelming burdens, over, instead of stress. We can have joy in our life during those things. Um, um, and, and the thing is, like verses like uh, in Timothy talk about how we, even if we, if we desire to live a godly life, in Christ Jesus, we will be persecuted. So there's there's this idea that we're not going to escape persecution, so we might as well be living in that presence of joy. Um, and so when we what we need to realize is that we can count our trials of joy not because we enjoy suffering um, and love being in pain, but because we trust that the testing of our faith is producing in, in, in us something of immeasurable value. And so that's our first point today is the testing of our faith. Do you ever, ever thought about your trials in that way going, God, what are you doing in my life next? Oh, this is going to be awesome. This is a really big trial. What are you producing? What are you doing in my life? What are you trying to achieve? And you go, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to the fruit that will come out of my life. I can't say that's my first response. I wish it was. Um, as I face various trials, like there are some days where God reaches into my life and, and sort of kind of grabs him by the ear or grabs him by the nose and turns me to the things he wants me to see. I go, oh, so this is one of those days where God wants to show me some stuff. And so what can I learn as I'm journeying through those hardships? And, and some of it, like, yeah, I, I've been at times in, in, in my life when, um, the bank account is not big enough to cover all the bills that are coming in. And I'm going, God, what can I do? And all of a sudden, I can continue in that extended and overwhelming stress and, and try to manipulate my way out of it, or I can learn to trust God. And, and again, it's a lesson to be learned. And, and the thing is, what I've found is I've, as I've learned to trust God over the years, it's easy to trust God in the next big thing. And, and, and all of a sudden I'm going, God's got this. And, and, and people go, why aren't you stressed? Because I've learned that God's got this. It's, it's one of those lessons that God is able to, to teach us through the testing of our faith. Um, and, and so basically when we're, when we're looking at doing this, what we need to um, uh, realize is that the trials that we face can be different from church to church, individual to individual, culture to culture. We're talking about things like relational pain, mental health and well-being, physical disease and suffering, financial loss, external persecution. And the list could go on and on. In fact, there are people sitting here today who are experiencing a deep testing in their faith. And because and, church is one of those things we dress up for and we go along and we kind of put our smiles on and because we want to make sure people think we're doing okay. Like, and, and that's, I suppose that's normal for most places. We don't like to go, I'm in the deepest, darkest spot right now in my life. But at the same time, like, yeah, you could look around and you go, some people are struggling. It could be a health issue. It could be a work issue. It could be like a whole lot of issues all lined up together and, 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 and they may not be doing okay. Um, and so, and again, when you're in places like this, you start asking yourself questions. Is God even real? If God is so good, 
Why does he allow evil? Why won't God intervene in my life? Why God? Why won't God answer the prayer that I keep praying? Why won't he heal this, my child or my spouse or my friend? These questions we all ask at some point in our faith, and the big question is, uh, isn't will I experience trials, but rather when is it my turn? If you're not experiencing trials right now, the question you should be asking is when is it your turn? When are the trials going to come my way? Um, years ago, I heard um, uh, a Christian comedian by the name of Mark Lowry. Um, he sort of, um, for those who uh, um, listen to the, the Gaithers and, and their music, he actually sung with them a bit. So he's quite a good singer, but he was a, quite a, a bit of a, a funny guy as well. And he was sharing in this one sort of presentation he did about this verse in the Psalms, which, and, he, and he sort of just narrowed it down, and it came to pass. And so he then even said, that if you've had like a great year this year, it came to pass. It may not be like that next year. If you've had a terrible year this year, hey, it came to pass. And so I've, I've come to realize that, yeah, if you have a good year, it may not be followed by another good year. Um, and, and, and even I, I've learned, and I may even share this at times with individuals, that sometimes like, oh, I wish all of my life was going good together. But when you say that, then the opposite can be true. Then all the things in your life can be going bad together. And so there are some days when, yeah, church is going great and family's not and, and this is not, and then family's going great or, and then this is a struggle. And, and so we can, we can sort of have, yeah, these highs and lows at the same time in our lives and, and how we face them. The, the trick is learning to trust God through the process, and that's his call. So the testing will come, but when we trust God through this, it's called perseverance. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines perseverance as persistent in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Um, that's a pretty good definition. It's, it's, it's persistence in doing something despite difficult or delaying and achieving success. And, and the problem with that is because we live in a world where we want to be instantly gratified. We want to do something and then get a result straight away. Um, and, and it can be shown, like, we even as individuals, have you ever rung something, someone and they don't answer their phone? They've got a mobile phone. I know they've got it with them. They're not answering their phone. They need to answer it right now. Now, for you young people... Back in the olden days, there was a phone on the wall that at times, even if it rung, your parents would say, we're not answering the phone right now, okay? You didn't have a phone on you. Um, when your phone buzzed, you could ignore it, whereas you guys now, like, you'll get a notification saying, you've actually earned this prize and on this game, and it's not even anyone contacting you. It's someone sucking you into that world of, of, of whatever it is. But the thing is, we get frustrated when people don't respond straight away. Like I'm going, we 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 are going into that path where our our we want to be have instant gratification on different things. Like we we get frustrated when we go to a takeout store and they're not fast food anymore. I've come here for fast food and it's slow. I'm frustrated. Instead of taking five minutes, they're taking ten minutes. I'm like, I'm ready to put in a complaint. I'm ready to be a terrible customer because I want stuff straight away. 
And none of that's perseverance. Now, if we get upset because someone doesn't answer their phone straight away or the takeaway takes too long or, or people are driving too slowly or, or our kids don't get dressed quick enough or, or our husband doesn't get dressed quick enough or, or whatever else you want to put in there, you imagine how bad our perseverance will be when we get to big things. When we get hit out of left field by something really big and all of a sudden we have to be persistently ongoing to see that trial overcome and it is not going to be hours, it's not going to be days, it may be months that we have to pursue that. It's going to be hard work and we're going to know if I've got the strength for that. Is there an easier way? Is there a way instead of going up the mountain we can go downhill and find release from this ongoing effort? But we are called to persevere. Success in Christ means trusting Christ through the very trials of life as he brings us to perfection and completion. Success for the believer is wholeness in Christ, and wholeness is found on the other side of suffering. There is something unique about suffering um, and pain and adversity that produces divine character in us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. And looking at verses three and three to five, not only that, but we rejoice. Okay, so James says, consider it all joy when you're faced with various trials. Paul says, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, which could be put called perseverance, and endurance um, produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here's Paul sort of adding his, his two cents to this discussion. And he says, hey, we rejoice when things come our way because do you know what it does in our life? It produces endurance in us. And that endurance produces character. We become more like Jesus through trials. And that character, as we go through it, when you see God come through, even if it's in a long-term trial, when you see God come through in that, all of a sudden it brings about hope that becomes a constant in your life. Not a hope when I hope this works out. I, I hope I hope I hope there's some sausage rolls left over at morning tea. I hope Pastor Keith finishes before I, I'm I'm going to pass out from hunger. That is a false hope. Like um but but the thing is it's talking about a real hope that when the next trial comes you go, do you know what? That last trial was huge. But God was with me. I felt his presence. He got me through it. He gave me strength. I know he is with me in this one. And so all of a sudden, I won't say you run into that trial, but you walk in with boldness because you know what? God is with me in this. There's a hope that it brings about in our life. Adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and to trust deeper. Suffering will expand our faith and Pain drives us into the arms of the Father. And this is the thing. We need to realize that in our weakness, we are made strong. And so when we can't do it and we go to God, God goes, why did you fight it so long? You should have got here quicker. I was, I was ready to help. I was ready to go. The moment it happened in your life, I was here to help. And as we learn over and over again to trust our Heavenly Father, through any and every situation or capacity, our, our capacity to hope increases. Our capacity to be faithful increases and we learn to persevere because 
of the promise we have in Jesus. The promise, like that, that becomes an important thing to hold on to. As we grow in faith and learn to follow Christ, we must also learn to keep our eyes on him no matter how difficult or seemingly impossible the circumstances get. The Apostle Paul talks about this through his letter, and there's one place in Philippians 3, 13 and 14 that is a special, um, I suppose, focus on this. And he says, not that I've already attained it, I've attained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's motivation is Christ. And through various trials and suffering and persecution, Paul presses on. You get that feeling he learned to count it all joy, just as James says. You, you can just read as uh, there's um, numerous passages where Paul shares about the suffering he faced. 18th century abolitionist William Wilberforce says, our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. And the success for the believers is to finish the race and receive the promise of eternal salvation made through Jesus Christ. With that in mind, we need to learn to, um, uh, looking at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So even in Christ, we actually see this idea come sort of to fruition in that, in that sense that Christ, for the joy that was set before him, the joy that he was going to experience on the other side of the cross, he faced the cross willingly. And, and you know, when you face a struggle and you don't know what's really going to be involved in it, it you're not as overwhelmed. But if there's something that you've faced before and you've got to go through it again, like maybe you've got a tooth pulled or um, maybe you're, you're having a, a second baby or a third baby or maybe you've got cancer and you're going through again with treatment that you know is going to impact you. When you know what's coming ahead, it, it, it makes it a little bit harder. But Jesus, he hadn't gone to the cross yet, but Jesus was, he was God. He knew what was coming. He knew what it was going to feel like. He I wonder the pressure that he felt beforehand, even facing that. But again, his motivation was to be obedient to his father, but also to see the joy of the human race gain access to the kingdom of God. So we need to throw off any weight or burden holding us back from pursuing Christ, to throw off any sin clinging to your life and run the race set before you. And when you, when you kind of need help to be continue to be persevering, to continue to remember the promise, I want to give you three specific encouragements from our passage in James today. Number one, 
If you need wisdom through the trial, just ask. This is where James is really practical. He doesn't go, well, you need to climb a mountain and contemplate your life and come up with your own sort of direction and, 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 and work it out for yourself. Who's here seeing the movie City Slickers? Number the first one, and, and we go, and that Curly puts up his finger, the, the secret to life is this, it's just one thing, and then he dies before he can realize what that one thing is, and so then they start discussing what it is, and in the end, Billy Crystal said, oh, the one thing is really your, what you make it to be. Well, no, this is, if we need wisdom, we don't need to go off and discover it for ourselves, we go to the source of all wisdom. God, can I have some wisdom, please? I don't know what to do in this situation. Sure. And then he'll give us the wisdom. And then this is what our, probably our first response is, God, do you have any other wisdom? Because I don't like the wisdom you've given me because what you've asked me to do, I don't really want to do. I want to do something that's a little bit more convenient, a little bit easier. And God goes, no, my wisdom is sound. It is, it's trustworthy. It's worth following. And so we've got to make a choice whether to follow it. But if we need wisdom through any trial, just ask. And James 1.5, it says it so plainly. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. Okay, so, and without being rude or disrespectful to any of you, all of us could use a bit more wisdom. If you think you need a bit more than someone else, you're probably right. So okay, ask away. God is God wants to give to you generously. You could catch up to some other people around you. Like, don't make it a competition because it's not, but you could that could happen in the process. All of a sudden, we can see things God's way. Number two, don't let doubt creep into the process. Doubt and faith cannot coexist together. Have you ever seen those trust exercises where you've got to lean back and some people got to catch you and you've got to do that? And you've got to really rely on you got you, if and the thing is if you don't trust them you do this and you don't actually go anywhere and everyone's waiting there to catch you. Now there are people in my life I wouldn't do trust exercise with you because they would think it was funny if I fell over and hit the ground hard. And 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 some of you here would probably do that to me, okay? Like um and um some of you would catch me. And some of you would let me fall and think, oh, well, that was funny. Like, uh, let's do that again. Um, but the thing is, when it comes to God, God doesn't play games like that. He doesn't sort of go, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, he doesn't do that. He, we, God is trustworthy. So don't let doubt, doubt creep in. Um, James um, 1, 6 to 8 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubt is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, our faith puts us, and again, it's faith in something certain. It's faith in God. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in the rock that He is. So when you put your feet on Him, there's no, there is a solidness about that. And so the problem is when we go, oh, I'm not sure this is a good one. I'm going to go over here into the sand. And if you're at the beach, like the, the sand just it disappears under your feet. It's a great game to play when you're a kid. But like for some of us, like we're going to be up to our knees in seconds and we're going to be stuck waving for the lifeguard going, get me out of here. We need to trust God and, 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 and place our faith on the rock. Number three, we need to stay humble. 
Be careful not to think too little or too much of yourself. Um, God's love, grace, compassion, and mercy is impartial. So as you look around and you go, you know what? I reckon I'm a bit better than them. Okay, one, you're not. Um, two, God doesn't think you are. God loves you all the same. Um, whether you've been Christian for a day or a Christian for um, some of you up there probably 150 years now, um, you've been been a Christian for like that doesn't change anything. Like God says, I, I love you. I've got all this stuff I want to give you, and I want to give that same stuff to you, and I want you to I want you to realize that your life and the joy that comes with it is all because what have I have done. So don't sit back and go, do you know what? I'm not deserving of all the things God um, has. In one way, you are absolutely right. You are not deserving. No one else is either. None of us are deserving of the glory of God's grace in our life, yet he wants to give that to us. And just because you think, do you know what? I'm, I am so much better as a Christian than everyone else. Well, one, well, not one, probably the only thing, God's grace is not actually at work in your life because you're forgetting the fact that you can't do this on your own. You are only where you are because what God has already done and the people who aren't there yet have just got to trust in God more and that's it. Like it's it's God's work coming out in our life. And James 1, 9 to 11 says, Let the lowly brother both in his exaltation, let the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of, of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. I said it this earlier, um, adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and to trust deeper. Suffering expands our faith, and pain drives us into the arms of the Father. And as we learn over and over to trust our Heavenly Father through any and every um, situation, our hope increases. So today, this week, count all the various trials of your life as joy, for they are producing something of immeasurable value in your life. God is doing something in your life if we let him. Our passage from James ends by saying, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And again, yeah, I know some of you are like, oh, that's heaven. But life is life. When we are able to face trials in our life through the strength of God who is present in our life, and because of that, we can face any situation with joy. All of a sudden, that's real living. Like it's like we we live in a world that complains about anything at the drop of a hat. Like we'll complain about the colour of something. We'll complain about oh that takes too long or that's too much money or and we will we are as I say in my family to my kids, you guys are whinger ninjas. You are so good at whinging. You're like a ninja at it. And our world is like that. But the thing is, God wants us not to be whinge and ninjas, but to get to the point where we are living in joy, even in the midst of adversity. 
And I know this is possible. A number of years ago, I was, I'll just wrap up with this story. Um, I was at a scripture union conference as a chaplain. And during that conference, I was sharing about the persecuted church in, in places like India and, 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 and the faith that they lived out. And they said, a lot of these people do not experience the fullness of the practical life we have. We have electricity, we have water. Anyone ever complain when their power's gone out? I know I have. Like, because you know what? I was ready to sit down and watch a movie and relax for the night. And, and all of a sudden that was taken away from me. And, 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 and my whinging sort of goes to that black belt level. And I'm going, even within my own spirit, I'm going, this is, someone's put the power out and they've affected just me. Like they've done it just to me. It wasn't about everyone else in the world. It was just about me. I was going to watch this movie, which probably wasn't very good, and but it was all about what I wanted. But these people in these countries, no electricity, no running water, very little food. But often when they were interviewed, there was a joy that could not be explained. It was overwhelming joy. It was a joy and a celebration. And some of these people, they lived in countries, if they spoke too loudly about being a Christian, it could have ended their life, and yet they wouldn't be quiet. They went, we cannot stop talking about this one that has brought us so much life. And here in Australia, we've got so much. And so we need to learn what it is to live out with the crown of life because we have faced the trials. We have stood up and stood the test that has been brought our way, and we have counted it all joy because of what God has produced in our life. So this week, as, as you get into the book of James, may you be challenged to, to live out your faith in such a way that you will know joy in the midst of, of difficult times. I don't, I don't ask, um, I won't be praying this for any of you, that you will face difficult times, but I do pray that you would know the joy of God and sometimes we need those adversities to come our way for that to happen. Let's just pray. Lord, today as we as we we ask that you would give us the strength to endure, to persist um, through various trials. I pray that um, when the sufferings of life come our way, that you would be in a place where you would help us to see the joy that's available to us. We thank you that in the end we'll all receive the promise of hope. We will know what eternity is like with you. But I pray that we would know the fullness of life now, even in the midst of our difficult times. We pray this in your name. Amen. 